Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to resource and support them towards growth in all areas of life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our Catholic coaching programs for women, our online courses, our Catholic, the live virtual Catholic Women's Summits and the Genius Podcast, which you're listening to. If you are interested in finding out more about any of these initiatives, you can visit our website, www.geniusproject.co or follow us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily. On this week's episode of the Genius Podcast, I am joined by Dr. Greg Bataro. Dr. Greg is a clinical psychologist who is the director and founder of the Catholic Psych Institute, and he developed Catholic mindfulness. Before getting his doctorate, he spent four years living as a Franciscan friar. Under the mentorship of Father Benedict Brochel, he formed a spirituality based on abandonment to divine providence, which he now applies to psychological principles in his practice. Dr. Greg ultimately discerned a call to family life. He married his wife, Barbara, and they now have six children. Dr. Greg has so much wisdom to offer in this particular area of Catholic mindfulness and how we can apply these practices to our everyday life as women. So ladies, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Dr. Greg Bataro. Welcome, Dr. Greg, to the Genius Podcast. It's lovely to have you as a guest. I know we've been chasing this interview for quite a while, so it's a miracle that we're we're sitting here now. So it's a beautiful miracle with the technology here. We are uh, chatting across the world and lining up time zones and making this happen. So I'm, I'm really blessed and honored to be here with you. Oh, well, thank you for making the time. I know you've got a very full life over there and um, everything that you're doing with the Catholic Psych Institute. So I know that that's been a huge blessing to so many people around the world. Your podcast too, Being Human, dives deeper into all these concepts that we're going to unpack together today. But I just wonder if you can share a little bit with our listeners about who you are and about your approach to Catholic psychology, because it's an interesting one. Sure. Yeah, I, I, um, I can give you a little bit of history of my own sort of formation. Um, you know, I came to the faith in my freshman year of college after uh, my parents were divorced my senior year of high school. And it was such a deep wound for me and so painful that it sent me reeling. And I providentially came across a book by John Paul II called Love and Responsibility. And when I read the Catholic philosophical position on love and marriage and our calling to you know, be saints through the ways that we relate to each other, it revealed to me so many reasons why my heart was so wounded by the breakup of our family. And I vowed and knew at that moment, like this is gonna become really pivotal and foundational for the rest of my life in some way. And my story took a little bit of uh, some, some twists and turns. I actually discerned religious life for almost four years, I was a Franciscan friar. And so I was in temporary vows and did a lot of, uh, you know, deep spiritual and theological formation there. But then I did realize after, after working through some of that marriage stuff and those family wounds that I was actually called to marriage. So I ended up leaving the friars and, uh, with their blessing. And, and I went to graduate school to become a psychologist. And again, I just knew that I had to unite these worlds of, faith and psychology to create a path for people to find answers to answer their heart's longing and to satisfy the heart's longing in a way that was how we're made Mm -hmm. so it had to be based on a blueprint 
of, of God actually creating us and for a purpose. And so that's when I started to realize like, there's really nobody doing this. And, and it's very rare and very few and far between to find a program of psychology or a theory or a model of actual psychology built on a Catholic anthropology. And I had a blessing, the blessing uh, a few years back to, to travel to Australia. And I was at the, the Renaissance of, of Marriage Conference um, my with uh, Fran and Byron Parola. Yeah. That, and it was yeah. such a blessing to, to be there. And I met a lot of really faithful Catholic therapists mm-hmm. and they were telling me the same thing. And I was really sort of astounded to find that all across the world. And there were bishops there and we were all chatting from different places in the world that this is missing across the planet, mm-hmm. that there's no really well-grounded system of psychology that's based on Catholic anthropology. So I graduated my doctorate in 2012, and this has become my mission. And I started the Catholic Psych Institute in 2012. You could find us at catholicpsych.com. And our mission is to create this model, to have this foundation, to be able to unite the world of philosophy, theology, and spirituality from a Catholic perspective with all of the empirically validated and really important science that comes uh, to us with psychology. And so, you know, both need to measure up, both need to actually work together, Mm. faith and reason together, like two wings of a dove, like John Paul II wrote. And so one can't contradict the other. And if one is not lining up with the other, then there's something off. And it means that the deficit is on our part. We need to go a little bit deeper to figure out what the right answer is. So that's how this became my personal passion. And this is what I've put into practice now. We've developed all sorts of programs, resources, and our personal practice of of psychology and uh, developed a new program called mentorship. Mm -hmm. So in our our services that we offer, in our resources that we create, it's all about bringing together faith and psychology. Yeah, which is just fantastic. It's so desperately, desperately needed. I know over the years um, we helped found Sisterhood, which is a national Catholic women's movement here in Australia. And one of the preeminent pastoral care issues that I deal with with women is women whose husbands and boyfriends have addictions to pornography or infidelity. Mm. And it's, it's shocked me. We, My husband and I also speak at the men's conference about these topics. But as I started walking with these women, I looked around Australia for therapists who could help them who could help them in this recovery and you know what there really wasn't any book because what you're saying is there's these two different extremes it's either go to confession and just pray or you know go this new age path and it can go into some really bizarre areas with psychology and I think what you've done really beautifully is merge the two it's it's this whole approach to the the whole human person right because we are a unity of body mind soul spirit so the approach Yes, it needs to be spiritual, but there also needs to be that psychology because our psyche kind of overlaps the physical and the spiritual, doesn't it? Exactly. And that's when you get into this, even the over-spiritual stuff in the in the faithful Catholic communities, it still it misses the mark yes. if it's not grounded in our real humanity. That's right. And without an incarnational understanding of, of how God made us, without Christ at the center being the human that reveals our humanity to ourselves, we, we can't actually get closer towards our own fulfillment. Sometimes we have the tendency to over-spiritualize things with, and, in a way that diminishes our humanity. And all, that's not right either. So we need to have 
the faith and we have to have grounding in those objective moral truths. And we also have to have the experience of our humanity and the realities of our humanity that play into it, including our biology. Mm. Absolutely. And I think we just know that right from exercise, the impact that exercise has on our emotional and mental health. So we see that played out. And I think it's just important. And it's, it's one of the aspects that I really love about what you're doing. And in today's podcast, what I'd love to do with you is to really unpack in light of this anthropology, how we as women can manage stress and anxiety in our life. And that's really the topic for this um, week's podcast, because so many women that I encounter that I'm walking with are really living in a perpetual state of survival and overwhelm. And I think the pandemic, yes, that's definitely done that. But I think just the nature of our lives as women, when you, you know, you might throw in kids or a career or mortgage life pressures it kind of you ramp up until you're just everything's just simmering below the surface Mm. but you're in this survival mode so what I'd love to do with you and and unpack with you now is I guess just what is stress and anxiety because obviously we have this low simmering anxiety that women experience which is different to a full-blown anxiety disorder some stress is good in our life some is not so I'm wondering if you can Unpack for us, I guess, what is stress and anxiety and how we understand this in light of your anthropology and your approach to psychology? Yeah, no, it's good. I I think it's good to to couch it that way and open it up that way because this approach is very different. And there's a lot that we get used to listening to from pop psychology, from secular psychology. And a lot of times we don't realize that inadvertently we're drinking in these, these truths that are not based in truth. Mm-hmm. And these, you know, we're, we're allowing ourselves to be intellectually misinformed and malformed. Yes. So I do like to do a lot of correcting when it comes to what does our faith teach us, not in a spiritual dimension, but in a human dimension, because mm-hmm. we're both. And so right off the bat, I would say all stress is good. All anxiety is good. I would say actually, There's no bad experience that comes from our internal life. And right off the bat, it's going to be a little bit perplexing because you're like, well, Dr. Greg, what are we doing here? Like, I don't know why anybody needs to listen to this podcast then. (laughs) But, But part of the problem is we don't understand how good we actually are. And we talk a big game, especially as Catholics, about divine mercy about the love of God, about compassion, about all these things. But we don't realize that we're actually already right off the bat positioning ourselves as our own enemies. We're already judging, rejecting, casting away. And so we have like these internal facets of our own personalities that become our own personal lepers our own personal rejects that we need to cast away. Hmm. So right off the bat, again, I will dig into this a little bit more, but I I just want to sort of reposition Mm -hmm. and give your audience an entirely different mindset and an entirely different vista to start to approach some of these ideas. Number one, this is the beginning and it will be the end, is we need to learn how good we are and learn how to radically love ourselves the way God does. Absolutely. And that means right away understanding that anything that comes up within us is at its root, 
at its deepest core level, good. Because we are made in God's image. And that means that everything in us is good. Even our anxiety disorders, even our stress, even all the things that ultimately lead to what we would judge behaviorally as sin, start off coming from a place within us that's actually good. Yeah, absolutely. And theologically, this is a principle that we can read about in Augustine and Aquinas, even Aristotle talked about always seeking the good. Like there's maybe a misperception of a good, but there's always this idea that our intention, our drives are seeking some kind of good. And that's very different from like a Freudian perspective of our drives, because he talked about, you know, the sexual drive and the anger drive. And these things become really ugly and things that need to be controlled and like put away and rejected. But if, if we have a different perspective that we're made in the image of God, all of these things can be seen in some way at the root as something that's good. Hmm. Absolutely. And I really like that approach. I mean, there's so many um, different heresies, aren't there, about the, this exact topic that we reject the body, the body's bad or the soul, right. you know, but it's this integration. And that's where I think, you know, we're being called at this moment in history is to really see ourselves as integrated human beings, that body, mind, soul, spirit, as we're a unity of all of those things that God has created it and everything that God created is good. So we often say to our kids, you know, anger's not bad. It's just what you do right. with that. Right. But then we don't really treat ourselves that way. No, we don't. And you know, also, because we, we have this anxiety and what ends up happening is because we, and like take a child, for example, if in your mannerism and your behavior, in your tone and your facial expression, you're saying those words because you know, you're supposed to say your anger is okay, but it's how you're expressing it. You're really kind of saying your anger is not okay. Hmm. And when you tell a child that their anger is not okay, you're pushing that you're repressing it and all it's going to need, it's all, it's going to, it's going to explode. Maybe they'll learn how to fall in line for some amount of time because they don't want to be rejected by their parent. So they're going to play along until they're tired, hungry. They didn't sleep well or something else is happening. And there it comes, it comes out. So this it's exactly the perfect example because we say that we know that, but we don't actually act like that. No. And if we really believe that, then we create a warm environment that is, uh, that is loving and compassionate mm. and accepting. And if you really, truly accept your child with all of their pa- parts, their angry parts, their jealous parts, their sad parts, their all these different things, then you create that space to have conversation. Mm. One of my favorite psychologists of all times, also one of my favorite uh, mentors spiritually is the TV personality from the U.S. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. I, I do not know him. <laughs> so there was a TV show on public television in in the mid middle of the 20th century called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Okay. Have do you guys have that? Yeah, no, have you heard of that or no? Not. Never heard of it. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So it's a I'm beautiful <laughs> old public broadcasting network show. of this guy, Mr. Rogers. And he was like the most kind, compassionate person. And he loved children. And he had, he made the, he gave these lessons that were really approachable and really um, countercultural in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So he was ahead of the game. He was ahead of the curve in terms of diversity, 
So when there's a lot of civil rights stuff going on, he had African-American uh, guests on the show. And then when there were tragedies that happened, when JFK, John F. Kennedy was shot, he did a show on mourning people who die and like okay. how that's a sad part of reality. So he helped America in a lot of ways mourn and live and deal with strong emotion and all this kind of stuff by teaching kids. Yes. Well, anyways, so this isn't going to have the same impact as it does if I say it in America, but basically. <laughs> it's okay. You can share it. His, we'll get the point. His favorite quote is, he says, love begins by listening first to yourself and then to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And it's the simplest phrase. It's the simplest sentence. But if we could spend an, an hour unpacking how that is essentially the gospel, first of all, yeah. and second of all, it's the thing that's missing because we don't listen to these parts of us and we don't listen then to our neighbor who have these parts that we don't like or our children or our spouses or anybody else. So we can't possibly have compassion or charity for others when we're, we don't have it for ourselves. Absolutely. And that's why Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. But that means that when we're feeling anxious and we're stressed out, when we have the narratives that go through our head where there I go again, another day lost. I'm such a bad mom. I'm such a bad wife. I'm such a bad, whatever. We realize that, okay, so part of you is aware of your stress. And then part of you is judging yourself for your stress. Mm -hmm. And then you can always ask the question. So how do you feel about yourself now that you had that awareness? And that first gut instinct is, I hate that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh gosh, (laughs) get layer upon layer. Yes. Yep. And there is very much that mindset of I've got to either suppress this or just get rid of it. Like it just exactly. ignore it or get rid of it. Like I have to, and it, then it puts the onus on you and it really takes away from God's grace because it's, I have to overcome. I have to conquer. I have to rise above, but we forget that we cannot do any of that. Like we cannot overcome our limitations without the grace of God. So I think you're absolutely spot on here in that we have to just acknowledge it yes, I'm struggling. Yes, this is hard. Yes, I don't actually like this aspect of my nature, but I acknowledge it. It's part of who I am. It's it's part of who I am. And to go even deeper is to say, I can love this part of myself because it's not just about waiting for God to get rid of it Mm -mm. or acknowledging that we can't do it on our own. It's deeper than that. It's actually loving ourselves for that part of ourself and then recognizing that Beyond the surface level judgment, just like Jesus with the woman at the well, he could have judged her just like everybody else did. And we can judge anxiety and stress and frustration and anger and sadness and disappointment, just like everybody else does. But just like Jesus, we can sit with those parts of ourselves and look deeper. Mm. And we can ask those parts of ourselves, what are you looking for? Because every single one of those parts of ourselves, if we turn inwards and really look, we're going to find that they are seeking to protect us from something. They're seeking to bring us to a better place in some way, as misdirected and misguided as it might be, just like the woman at the well who thought that her happiness was going to come from yet another marriage. But that is not what Jesus looked at first. He went to the heart to say, okay, yeah, we'll talk about why those other marriages aren't going to work. But first, Mm. what are you looking for? 
And it was only by opening up a space of compassion and love and acceptance that that conversation can happen. And just the same happens within us. If we are feeling anxious, we can turn inwards and we can ask ourselves, why is part of me getting anxious right now? Not like what are the tips and tricks to get rid of it, but why is this happening inside of me? What is happening in me? What part of me wants to protect me from something right now? What am I trying to protect myself from? Maybe it's fear of failure. Maybe it's fear of disappointing others. Maybe it's fear of being rejected by others. It could be a lot of different things, but we're not going to know until we open up with self-compassion. That's right. And we look inwards with that love. And then we can ask that question. What are you really looking for? Yes. That's going to be the first step to actually healing where these wounds are festering and then becoming a problem on the surface. And it's, it's so important, isn't it? Because, you know, we've heard that saying that what's not acknowledged is transferred. So mm-hmm. if, if we're not doing this work on ourselves and, you know, the whole Christian life is really about growing more into the fullness of who God created us to be in God's image. So like you said, these, these thorns in our side, so to speak, as the gospels talk about, you know, they're there actually as a reminder, they keep us dependent on the Lord as well. So they're not all bad because they're also often say to women, like women often see these things as obstacles to either their fulfillment or their wholeness. But actually I think there's a deeper invitation in there. Yes, exactly. To growth. It's an invitation to be more of who Christ wants you to be. And without any of these limitations or wounds, we wouldn't grow quite simply. So it's like you said, I like that paradigm shift. And that's very much John Paul II's approach is always shifting our paradigm, our thinking from Yes. You know, what we think in this little box to like this expansive, beautiful vision of the human person and, and how we interact with life and grow. Yeah, absolutely. That paradigm shift really is everything. And, you know, when it comes to allowing God in, what we're doing is allowing ourselves to follow his example and to listen to his call and to really believe him and take him at his word because he comes into our lives and he says, you are good mm-hmm. and you're worth listening to. Yes. You're worth seeing. You're worth being with. And what he's inviting us to, he says, follow me. And and we're supposed to be perfect as he is perfect. And if we think about that, that gospel phrase, we we hear that and we're saying like, oh, that's impossible. I can never be perfect. I make mistakes every day. But wait a minute. Actually, if we read on past that verse, what, what what it says is he shines on the the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. see his perfection is the way the sun is perfect and the sun shines on the weeds and the wheat that's the perfection of god that we're called to it's that love overshadows everything it over it over lightens everything it shines in every corner every crevice every shadow so if we are to be perfect like him that's our calling that's his what he's inviting us to it means first and foremost having that same compassion that he has on ourselves and being able to see ourselves in that light. And then from there, again, of course, there's lots to talk about in terms of how to improve, how to, how to figure out, but he built our psyche yes, and he meets us in our humanity. And so it's going to be through our psyche and through our humanity that we actually enter into union with him and his humanity through Christ to actually 
become one with him in, in his divinity. That's the whole Christian plan laid out in a sentence. So we have to go into our own psyche so that we can meet him in his humanity. And that means recognizing the first step is to recognize the ways that we are rejecting ourselves, that we are casting away our own parts of ourselves, the way that lepers were cast out or the adulterers or the tax collectors were cast out. And then by turning towards those parts of ourselves with love and compassion, then we can open up all sorts of things. But here's, here's, this is kind of begs the question. And this is sort of like the caveat here, because ultimately a lot of this, what it requires, like you said, is work. Hmm. And we have to find the space and time to, to do this. Yes. So this is, this is ultimately what ends up happening. It becomes a practical issue because yeah, we have to believe on one hand that we're worth it and that we're good enough. And then we have to also put into practice ways of having the space and time to turn interiorly and, and to actually pray and to actually have silence to really give ourselves the gift of silence in our lives and to know that we're worth it. And it might be hard work and it might mean rescheduling some stuff, but we'll never be able to love ourselves if we don't give ourselves that kind of silence. Mm-mm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Mother Teresa said this, that, you know, God speaks in silence. Like we have to still ourselves long enough to get in touch firstly with what we're feeling before, and then to hear from the Lord and hear how he wants to change us. You know, I've encountered over these women who, um, you know, they might pray. They're like, I've prayed and prayed and prayed that Lord would change this in my life. And I pray and pray and pray. And he just doesn't answer. And then when you dig deeper and you see how they're practical practically living out their day-to-day life well you're like well is it any wonder because you know we remember saint augustine's quote that he who created you without your cooperation he won't save you so this it's really important saint thomas aquinas grace builds upon nature so for god's grace to be activated he gives us a free will he gives us an intellect and a mind to think and act and to choose those actions and so i think really encouraging women towards setting up I guess, a life and setting up their day in such a way that they can allow that grace of God to be present and transform them. Because if, we, if we're not doing the two together in unity, we're not going to achieve anything, are we? Like we can battle away on our mind or we can battle away in prayer, but we really have to have that integration between the two, the practical yeah, exactly. and spiritual. And, and a lot of these parts that are operating in us that, that want to protect us from something, mm-hmm. even the anxiety. are not going to like us sitting down in silence. Mm -mm. And even if we think it's a good idea, like a lot of times I just tell people like, really what you need, first of all, is just the permission because it it feels like you're not doing anything. It feels like you're wasting time. It feels like you're being unproductive. Yes. And if you can reframe this and understand like, not only is it okay, it's actually your responsibility. Mm. This is how to actually steward the gift that God has given us to nurture our own spiritual life and our own emotional life to bring us closer to him. So it's not just that, like, it's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. And it's actually kind of lacking a responsibility and stewardship to not do it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times what, what, what women need, especially moms and people who are just like full on, like, taking care of 17 different people in their life in whatever way possible, extended family, work, children, spouse, parents, like all this stuff. 
It's like, oh, as soon as I take care of everybody else, I'll give myself some time. And it's never going to work. It has to become part of the job description of being a human that your first and foremost priority and principal responsibility is to take care of yourself first, which means giving yourself that silence and actually allowing yourself to spend time with those different parts and things that are going on inside with compassion and love and listening. Yes. And we can't do that when we're constantly in the hustle. Like we can't be compassionate because we're, you know, that hustle just keeps us going, keeps us going and pulls us out of ourselves. So there's this huge disconnect with our soul. And, you know, we often, I think you're right. Like women need permission. They need to be told it is okay to rest. It is okay to be still. It's not self-indulgent. It's not selfish. Everything will still happen. But if it, it's actually essential, like you said, it's, it's not a, an option. We often say that self-care shouldn't be an emergency, you know, the emergency plan. It actually needs to be integrated as the bedrock. And I think as women particularly, we get our priorities so screwed up because we right. often put people at the top. We put kids, then husband, and then everybody else, and then we put ourselves at the bottom. But, you know, the correct right. pyramid of priorities priorities is eucharistic relationship with christ then ourselves right vocationally whether that's through marriage single life religious life then children right you know and we see this all the time where women often and you know they're well-meaning but their kids come before their husbands And, and this is a thing like these are nice ideas that i hear people talk about a lot and then it gets even more convincing when you can back it up with brain science Mm-hmm. You know, and we talk about like, this is the integration piece with Catholic psych, what we do a lot. So we take ideas out of the encyclicals, out of the, um, the catechism, out of the gospels and something like John Paul II called the family, the school of love. Yes. I love that. And we can map how that actually is a real thing that happens where the brain neurologically is being trained and formed in childhood as a result of what they're learning from mom and dad and based on the relationship between mom and dad based on the emotional stability of mom and dad that's literally training the child's brain and teaching the brain of the child how to develop and being able to self-regulate which then becomes really crucial to being a self-gift and so in order to love literally children need to learn from their parents all the things that they need to be grounded and and in control so And what we see through these studies and through the brain imaging that matches them is that when the the emotional stability of a mom and dad together as husband and wife are is regulated, Mm -hmm. that's going to flow outwards and that's going to necessarily be a positive effect on their children. But when women reverse that and put their children first, the opposite happens. Because then, of course, there's all sorts of dissension between spouses and then kids pick up on that tension and then, you know, all all these different things happen. So anyways, just another example of how the faith and the science actually can mirror each other really beautifully. Yeah, they too. And there's a beautiful integration there. So, um, Dr. Greg, tell me, we're talking about self-compassion and these are great ideas. So in on a practical level like in the day-to-day outworkings of our lives, how do people actually practice this self-compassion? Like what does that, because I, I know some people, you know, they can read these ideas, but then to actually live into those ideas is a different story. 
Well, first of all, I have to give you a little shameless plug because we're just about to launch an Perfect. app. Yes, I and, heard uh, about that. So exciting. Oh, did you? We're, yes. I'm surprised. We're, we're trying to keep now, it under wraps because we're uh, not quite ready yet. But on your podcast, you were sharing on uh, your. I listened I didn't, to your I podcast. I did mention it briefly on the podcast. <laughs> yes, but the details are forthcoming. But there, there's um, we have a, a number of exercises, practical exercises that we integrate Catholic anthropology and spirituality with mindfulness practice and being able to sort of return to the present moment. And what ends up happening is we're so scattered that even when we go to pray. We're so distracted in our prayer that maybe we're checking the box. Maybe we made it to mass on the weekend or whatever. But at the end of the day, we're not receiving psychologically what we really need to be or made to actually receive from the nourishing of what prayer and grace can actually do. And so in order to collaborate in, with God's grace as much as humanly possible on our end, there are some psychological exercises that we can practice. And so that's how I formulated it in terms of Catholic mindfulness. And so we do have an app coming out. It's called the integrated app. And um, it, you'll be able to get that through catholicpsych.com. And we have these practical exercises. So you want, what we need to do is check in multiple times throughout the day with the present moment. Mm -hmm. and, and that means giving ourselves, again, permission to just take a breath and reconnect with our bodies and come back to the present moment. There's a whole spirituality based on abandonment to divine providence and the, the trustful surrender and the practice of the present moment. And that means really letting the faith that we have in the fatherhood of God tell us that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. And for an anxious world where there is less and less to be certain of, we need that more than ever. Mm -hmm. We need to know the fatherhood of God that we are actually children of God yeah. and that we can trust him and believe that all will be well. And it, that we can just let go of our need to be in control again with compassion on the fact that we want to be in control. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's with understanding and acceptance that it makes sense that my brain is operating that way. And I have the survival instinct and it's wonderful and beautiful that my brain would even come up with the illusion that I could be in control <laughs> that's right. to try to protect me from a meltdown. Like that's great. <laughs> But it doesn't actually work. <laughs> what does work is the fatherhood of God and the providence that he's actually bigger than COVID and shut down lockdowns and social isolation and all the disastrous things we see happening in our children and gender confusion and school, everything. And God is bigger than all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And he knows about it. He's aware of the situation and he's got a plan for it. And it's unfolding, even if we can't see it all. Amen. And so taking that breath is how we return that faith to our bodies. Mm. See, when, when, when there's a real problem that we need to escape from, like if, if your, your, your house is on fire yes. and you run out of the house and you get outside, you're at some point going to take a breath mm. because your breath is the way you're physiologically telling your brain. I'm safe now. Yes. When we create problems for ourselves in our mind, in our imagination, there's no physical fire to escape from. We never get to take the breath because we're not actually running away from anything real. Mm -mm. So we can actually just make it happen. We can actually just force the breath and the body will automatically respond to the breath as if you're safe, because that's what a breath means. 
and it recalibrates. I mean, physiologically, you know, just exactly. taking a deep breath. It's like crying is important because it releases hormones and chemicals, which brings stress down. The same with that deep, right. slow breathing is just it right. really so just taking that breath. Those. That's what these exercise. I mean, there's more to it than just a breath, but the exercises are basically you know, centered on that idea that we come back to the present moment, we open up that space of silence, like Elijah, we go up to the cave and we let the storms and the noise pass and we listen for God in the still small voice. And in that silence, we start to hear what's going on, what's, what's going on inside of us, what's going on maybe spiritually from God. You know, we start to, to really connect with our humanity and this world on another level. And so through that connection, that's how we become regrounded and that's how we reconnect with God. And that's how we can actually manage our lives in a much better way. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, you'd be familiar with Father Jacques Philippe's material. Sure. Yeah. So his core premise in his searching for and maintaining inner peace is exactly this, just learning to be centered in the present because God doesn't exist in the future or the past. You know, that's exactly the grace isn't there. It's in the present. And I love what you're doing because you're not just sticking a Catholic label on mindfulness. You know, there's a lot of worldly new age right. kind of practices around this, but it's, it's deeply grounded in our faith. And it's about coming back to the presence of God within us. And I think yeah. that's where we find our peace, isn't it? And how we can manage Absolutely. Guess, stress and anxiety. There's obviously practical things that we can do around managing stress and anxiety, like exercise and eating well and sleeping and managing our load so that we're not overloaded. But I think what you're talking about here is how we can sort of bring our minds, I guess, under Christ's Lordship and to bring peace in that way. That's a hundred percent correct. It's, it's bringing our minds under his Lordship. And it means, you know, all of these things are so important. They're practical and they work hand in hand with the deeper psychological dimension. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that, um, you know, we have to look at both. Mm -hmm. We have to look at the practical and we have to look at the very deep because the practical can be hijacked if what's happening in our depths are not lined up to truth. And what's, you know, we could be super focused on what's happening in our depths and only in our spiritual life. And then, you know, all of a sudden the practicals are, are forgotten and, you know, we're not taking care of our bodies. So we really do need this integration and this collaboration between both. Yes. Yes. It's so important. I think I was sharing with you before we started recording that at the Genius Project, we're walking women through a masterclass for Catholic women, which is really looking at, I guess, all these different rhythms of renewal, how they can rest because we can't be restored until we've rested. I remember my husband and I went on a, a retreat with one of the Carmelite priests um, before we were married and we were sort of discerning marriage. And he just said, you know, you, you can't hear from God until you've slept well, eaten well and been for a walk. So go away and do those things and then come back for spiritual direction. And uh, I, I felt a little ripped off to begin with, but it's so true. Like once we've rested, then we can be restored and then God can do what he wants to do in us. So I think that's absolutely important. Yes. It's just, um, you've got so much wisdom there. We could talk for hours, but uh, how many children have you got, Dr. Greg? You're... Oh, we have uh, we have six children. That's what I thought. So uh, they're long days. <laughs> but yeah, they're very long days, but they're yeah. full of life and and, and a lot of uh, sometimes chaos and yes. always a lot of uh, interesting fun. It's so good. Well, look, so, I'm so so grateful for your time because 
And I really want to encourage the women to check out the Catholic Psych Institute. Is that right? It's the institute. Yep, that's right. Yep. CatholicPsych.com. And I'll put all the links below the podcast as well, because I really want to encourage women when that app does come out to really tap into it. Because I think sometimes we need that guidance. We need a someone who can actually help us point our lives in the right direction. Because the reality is we often get stuck and we get stuck in this overwhelm and this overload. So just having these little tools is so helpful to, to help us move out of those spaces. I, I think sometimes all it, all it, all it needs is a, a little permission, you know, a, a little direction. And, and just to say, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have to hate yourself for that anxiety. Maybe you don't have to beat yourself up. Maybe, maybe you don't have to add self-criticism to the overwhelm. Yes. And if we have a different approach, you can see that maybe that overwhelm, that anxiety is serving at least a good intention which if you can approach yourself with love and compassion and acceptance at that level, then you can say, okay, well, maybe there's a different way to reach those goals that that intention has. Maybe, maybe there's a different way to protect yourself from that perceived rejection or that idea of maybe I'll be a failure if I don't stay on top of all this stuff. Or there's other ways to accomplish those same goals without just rejecting flat out the the ways the behaviors that are being manifest by those parts of you absolutely and i think we we have to also remember that we're in a spiritual battle like it's a spiritual battle for our soul and so yes we have this glorious amazing god but we also have an enemy and the enemy does seek to steal kill and destroy our peace and our sense of self-worth and i think one of his greatest weapons is self-rejection and i think this Mm -hmm. is really where a lot of women fall into the trap and they really struggle. And I love what you shared with us in this podcast about keeping that in balance, like loving and accepting those parts of ourselves that perhaps we don't particularly like or unredeemed or unattractive, but bringing them to the Lord for him to redeem and to make whole. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Greg, for your time this evening, your time, my morning. And um, I just wanted to ask whether you had any final pearls or insights, closing comments for the women listening to this episode today. Yeah, I just really encourage you to take some time to really think about your life and how much of your day, how much of your time do you spend in your mind with that self-criticism, with that rejection and, and match that up to the acceptance and the love that Christ came into this world to show us how to be disposed towards mm-hmm. our, our humanity. And if there's a gap maybe between how we're disposed towards ourselves and how maybe Christ is dis- disposed towards us um, to ask for his help to, to, to follow him with a little bit more self-compassion and and self-love. Well, ladies, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Greg and I. If you would like to follow his work, you can find him on Instagram, Catholic Psych, or you can find out more through his website, www.catholicpsych.com. Ladies, if any of these conversations are really resonating with you, and if the Holy Spirit is starting to stir and prompt your spirit to make a response, to actually take some steps to bring about restoration, wholeness and integration in your life, then I would love to invite you to take a look at the Catholic Women's Masterclass and our Catholic Coaching Programs for Women. Inside both of these, we invite you to become a student of your interior life, to practice these Catholic mindfulness principles and to bring about and establish rhythms that will see you living a life of integration, 
wholeness and balance in Christ. Ultimately, Jesus is the change agent. And so we can go so far on our own, but really when we bring Christ into the center of our restoration and our healing, well, that is where true transformation and renewal take place. So ladies, check out the website www.geniusproject.co or you are very welcome to send me an email karen at geniusproject.co. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.